Welcome to Michigan HockeyCast 5.16, where we're currently hitting each other in the head, but only one of us is going to get a penalty. should probably talk about it we did a two and a half hour plus watch along on friday that was the first in the history of emigo blog probably the first in anyone doing anything remotely like this for michigan hockey and maybe michigan sports do you have impressions i don't i i'm not enough to say michigan sports um probably michigan hockey because it's so niche anyway but uh you know it was pretty well received it the, seemed like it. And the reviews we got were pretty positive, so that's always nice. Comments on both the live chat and on the posts seem to be interactive and excited. Yeah, I would think that's a fair characterization. Did you enjoy it, or was it too long? Because like, there's sometimes being on the air like that. I mean, I know you've done I've like done radio stuff, before. but you have breaks. Um... I mean, I thought it was it was fine. I mean, with three people, you're not talking as much, so it's uh, less tiring. But you do have that aspect of having to sort of perform because you are on camera continuously and all that sort of do stuff. Do you think we so. should have talked more, like just during the no, actual I, play? No, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that too. Like you don't – there's some knocks on people who call soccer games and they just like say who has the ball all the time. Yep. And it's just like, okay, we can see that. Just tell us what's happening. If nothing's happening, that's fine. We can just watch the game. And that's sort of what I sort of kind of felt like. Is like, all right, if there's a significant play, you can make a comment. Sort of like you're just sitting in a room, like no, how you normally would. I think that overall it helped that it, that was probably one of the better games to do it for <laughs> that have been around over the past five years, let's say. Uh, there were definitely some moments... Yeah, I mean, it was lively. It, uh, people were interested. There was enough going on. You know, like, if I, if that's a, a game that, like, they've had a few of those at Munn, like, in the first half of the season in past years where, like, they just lose, like, 5 nothing. There was that game a few years ago. Yeah. That, like, 18, 19, or 19, 20, one of those years. 17, 18? I think it was the year they went like to. I feel like it happened several times. Well, but, that's probably true. Like, they would go to Munn for, like, the last game of the first half. They yeah. always just get spanked. Yeah. Um. And if that's the game, then you're just kind of sitting there. For the last half of it. Just asleep, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, and no one's paying attention. Yeah. Because who's going to watch a bad Michigan hockey game? Yeah. Like, that's just, no. So. Do you think we were animated enough? Uh, during the fight, we were. <laughs> we stood out of the screen. Um, I, I will say that I think the line about how you should get to have six players on the ice as a treat is one of the funniest lines I've ever heard. In your life? Yes. Did it just completely so, catch you by surprise? Yeah, no, it's it's the phrasing of it. <laughs> you should get to have six players on the ice. Sure, that's like a, just a thing that people could say. Sure. But then saying it as a treat is <laughs> just Absurd. ludicrously hilarious things. Well, there's a bit of uh, Craig and Brian, is there not? <laughs> That was that was pretty good. Um, I thought, like, I was a little nervous at first that it wasn't going to be bright enough, but I thought we, like, stood out yeah, a little bit. Yeah, some people were talking about the lighting, but... Really? Yep. That it wasn't strong enough? Uh, that it just could have been brighter or whatever. Okay, I mean, so we could get those spotlights like they do for news crews? 
just like yeah, just put them over us and we're like <laughs> yeah. blinding here. <laughs> like, well, I can't see the game we now watched because the of, game with sunglasses. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> but at least you can see us. Um, so we could do this for other sports. I mean, obviously we have the whole football reasons why we wouldn't but hey those I, are your football reasons they're not my football so you reasons. think we could i don't know about you this is up to you guys no 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 no, no, no. i'm not saying if you could because i, I, I know could it, you yeah. could and i probably could depending on the game mostly but i don't think like emgo is known for being the most emotionally stable in high pressured situations Right? I mean, part of, like, the draw of us is that we're also fans, and we enjoy it, and we get into it, which is why it's relatable. Whereas if you're just a robotic Well, that's where the performance art comes into play. Sure. So, okay, well, anyway. People would probably tune in if we start throwing chairs and things. Well, yeah, but it it would probably be bad to have that recorded. (laughs) So... All headlines are good headlines, remember that. Ah, maybe if you're, like, Taylor Swift or something, but... Okay, so but aside from some from football, like we could do a basketball game. I think that would be sure, and it's shorter. Yep. Right. Do you think you could do, or would be it would be interesting to do one like for like a softball game? Like baseball would be just too long. I mean, no one would watch. But <laughs> well, there are people. If if it if you get down to the end of the season or something, or it's a big big game, you get people that tune in for that. I mean, Michigan has niche sports followings. People watch hockey for. Sure. Sake. I mean, it, it just probably will be a little while before there would be a softball game worthy of doing that for. Well, maybe. Uh, I mean, traditionally that hasn't been the case, but I guess we'll see going forward. I mean, it's a rebuilding year, so I don't anticipate there being. What about women's basketball? <sighs> Possibly, but like. I mean, because there are people. There's a guy that posted a comment on the pod on the MGO podcast that said. More hockey and women's basketball coverage. And I responded to him telling him, we have a hockey cast. You should listen tomorrow. <laughs> no, I mean, we need more people to cover women's basketball. I mean, I, you know, am following five sports. Don't <laughs> quite have the bandwidth to be. How many of those are, the sixth. Are, are Michigan sports? Oh, no, I'm talking about, no, those are the teams I follow at Michigan. Oh, okay. And so you're devoting more of your time to women's softball. Yeah, like I can do softball and baseball in the spring. The problem with women's basketball for me is it overlaps with men's basketball. And, and, hockey, and hockey. And, and it gets started else. during football season. Right. And so last year yeah. I was able to track it decently well because I wasn't that far removed from having called games and really knowing the breakdown of the team. This year, you know, it's a different roster. There's some familiar players, but other new ones. And I just haven't been able to get my schedule. Also, sometimes they play on the same day. Yeah, it's the same day. Or they play yeah. every day. So yeah. then you have something every day and then you... So ideally... Uh, you know, we need to find some people to be specialized for for women's basketball. Is this a, is this a call for help? Um, Hello out there, <laughs> can you write? Yeah. Do you like women's basketball? No, because I mean, it is something that should be that should be covered more. Um, I mean, the program, yeah. you know, last, at least when they're good. Well, they've been good for many years yeah, now. Well, you know, yeah, last, a few anyway. Last yeah. four or five years, yeah. these have been the best four or five years in program yeah, history it's probably true and you know kba has them on a, on a good trajectory and so if, if they're going to continue to be relevant and they're getting strong crowds at chrysler like they you know we need someone to do that so the best thing about sort of college basketball i, I mean hockey's kind of like that aside from when michigan plays and then there's seven brawls and 18 penalties and then the game lasts three hours but like basketball games go quicker like if soccer games basketball games you know you're up and done in two to less than two and a half I mean, college hockey goes pretty quick, too. 
Well, unless Michigan's <laughs> Yeah. I mean... I mean, NHL goes pretty quick. I mean, those, yeah. those are not comparable to football in particular. Yeah. I mean, those college football games. Well, that's the other reason that, that, like, doing a football game would be... But that's why I say cow. that you should always watch football on the TV, because then... As opposed to? In person. Because that's what every, everyone's always whining about, having to sit the big house through the four-minute commercial No, breaks. some people whine about it. Right. Other people enjoy being there. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes, yes. It, whereas when you're at home, then you get that four minutes to flip over to another channel or to walk out of the room and walk back in or to when it's time. glance at the other television that's also in the room. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I still think, at least for the time being, it's probably a pipe dream where as probably other sports we could do first i don't know maybe if we got enough sponsors and we got a lot of money or something maybe you and i could do it but people but people want to see brian that's that's just he's he's the star attraction yep so but he did great on friday i thought i mean even beyond the treat call as you said he was fun and lively as were you and i think i held my own but um yeah, I think we should try to look at doing more of those. Hopefully, I don't know, we could try to get a basketball game in. The problem is just going to be, are they relevant enough? And are we, is anyone going to be... Um, Maybe next year. Positive enough. NIT, watch-alongs? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's... Uh, we should get out of this. <laughs> um, so Michigan plays Michigan State and does pretty well uh they win on friday four to two and then four to three in overtime on saturday that there's an argument they could have should have won in regulation but we'll get to that when we do on friday night um so rucker mcgordy doesn't play for some undisclosed reason seamus casey and jacob truscott still not back but frank nazar makes his debut which is a big deal because he was a big deal as a recruit and then he was going to probably be Michigan's 2C all year until he was stuck in the press box until Friday. Well, the league, you know, took a while to clear our trade deadline acquisition, <laughs> but he was finally... Hopefully we didn't give up too many picks. <laughs> finally, uh, he passed his physical, and now the trade went through, so... That's actually probably true. He did pass a physical. <laughs> so... I mean, they they were on the you know the Twitter account like, oh, wait for the lineup in like forty five minutes, and so they're like, you know, teasing it. Yeah, did basically. you figure it out before? No, I didn't. I didn't know about this till afterwards. You were the one who told me about it. Oh, um, oh, that's right. But then I went back and looked, and they they were all, Woo-hoo! yeah, uh, follow us. Is, is Tyler <laughs> Shea going to be in the lineup? Again? <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, he's been practicing. <laughs> so. But no, that you know, it's a, a change of dimension in a lot of ways to get a a player like that in the lineup because, in theory, he should be the second best player, maybe third, whatever, on the team, but right up there. And oh, uh, is he better than Mackey? Not. I mean, not like so. in his first game, right? But I think Mackey's probably. I would be better this year. I would be pretty surprised if Nazar was not the better NHL player. Well, okay, but that's irrelevant to. No, I'm saying if Nazar had started the season at yeah. the same time as Mackey, I think he would be better by this point. Right now, yeah. You think Nazar yes. would be a better player? Yes. Wow. Okay. But nice. I was high on Nazar. That's well, my thing. So. Okay. No, I mean, yeah. Anyway. So do you get an incomplete for this season? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, okay. like, it's it's too, you know, now he's going to be coming in off injury and yeah. having to also acquaint himself to the Big Ten did, and the NCAA at the same time. Did so, you see his quote after Saturday? No. Where he said, call your friends, tell them I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of my friends didn't know that you were gone, but <laughs> I, could, I guess I could tell them. Anyway, all right. So this game actually... Um, I, I've said on the previous podcast on the Watch Along, this game is basically two different games. And so Michigan plays the first half of this game in a way where they punish Michigan State more or less repeatedly, including in the first period where they score relatively early. Uh, TJ Hughes is below the goal line and has a nice backhand pass to Sam Oskevich, who's sitting up on the edge of the house slot area and his one-timer just beats St. Cyr. I, I didn't think St. Cyr really had a shot on that one. Was that a one timer? I thought uh, it was. I thought it was just like a catch and shoot. Okay, but it was. A, it could have been. I don't remember. But it was a. It was a fast shot. It wasn't like he skated around. No, he got it out real fast, and um, you know it's a tough one for for Saints here. Well, and Brian likes to say when he hits the net, Mackey's awesome. And it in like he said it, like on the watch along like it's not a knock on him, but he's shooting for corners, yep. and I don't necessarily hate that. Right? I mean, like you want a guy. Depends on the kind of goal you're playing. Okay, like, okay, well, what about so I think a smaller St. Cyr type goalie? I mean, St. Cyr's pretty good, so I think shooting corners is, I mean, if you're if you're shooting a goalie that isn't very good and is giving up rebounds, I see. you want to hit him. But if you're shooting again, you know, Vasilevsky, for example, right, then like you, you need to, to pick some spots. Yeah, because you have to beat him. Yep. Because if you don't, he'll save it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Michigan backs that up with a two-on-one, probably one of their best chances to score where they didn't. Uh, Adam Fantilli and Gavin Brindley come in, and, and Fantilli just goes around a guy and throws the puck in front to Brindley, and the puck just jumps his stick. He's down the slot. It's probably a pretty decent chance at a goal if he can get his stick on it. He can't. Um, but Michigan is just buzzing early, and then they get a power play right after that. And this is another really nice play uh, from this top line as Luke Hughes has a nice zone entrance, gets the puck to the side, the right side, where Gavin Brindley receives the pass, moves around a guy, changes the angle, hits Adam Fantilli coming right down the slot, and Fantilli just buries it just inside the post. And, I mean, it's 2 nothing, And, I mean, you're just, like, this is the offense, the team that you want to see. This is what Michigan should do with the talent that they have. They're starting to run circles, and they're finishing goals. That was on a power play. Correct. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily love this one from St. Cyr. I really? Mean, it's a good shot, but there's no screen, and Fantilli's pretty high in the zone. Does St. Cyr come out? Uh, he's at the top of his crease. Because, I mean, that's going to be the issue with him, right, is he's going to have to come way out to take down those angles, because Fantilli puts it just inside the post. Yeah, I mean it's a good shot, no question. But if you're if you're watching this from MSU perspective, even if it's a pass to a guy who's walking down, he's still shooting at probably five feet past the Big Ten logo. Like I mean, he's barely parallel to the very outer reaches of the face-off circle. Okay. So and there's no screen. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just straight up guy coming right down the middle. I mean, that, you know, you you just want uh, a goalie to be able to make a save like that in this sort of game. I wonder if he anticipated Fantilli extra shooting from there, or if he thought he was going to walk in. And so he was kind of caught by surprise. Possible. Yeah. So it's 2 nothing, and then Michigan has a forever shift, as we like to call them, where they just keep the puck in the zone and cycle and guys change, and they just have the puck, and Michigan State cannot get to it. 
Um, they move it around very nicely. A stop of all people who moved up to the top line to take McGroarty's spot has the puck on the boards and makes maybe the best pass of his career all the way across to Gavin Brindley. This was a one timer on the other side of the slot near the dot. No, that, that was not a that was not a stop. Huh? It wasn't. No, stop was in front of the net. That was Steve Holtz. Oh, was it really? It, I'm watching it right now. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Stop well, the four is what I... in front of uh, Saint Cyr. Wow. Up. What a pass from Steve Holtz then. Yep. Wow. I did not. Okay. Yeah, got fooled by the fours. Yes. Michigan has a lot of th- secondary threes and fours, and so you, they're easy to mix up. But what a pass then from Steve Holtz to Gavin Brindley on the opposite side, and he just one timers and and Saint Cyr can't get across. He doesn't. I don't think he has a shot on that one. And it's three nothing before. I mean. <laughs> At this point, unless Portillo just starts spinning in circles, you're feeling pretty good. Well, MSU's getting cycled like crazy in this possession, and the skaters are worn down, but it's also still just a very poor effort on this play. And you know that Adam Nightingale would not be uh, the most happy because it's basically a give-and-go. You've got Fantilli, Holt circles up high, gives it to Fantilli, then he just walks right down. Two Spartans go right at Fantilli. He just slips the pass through them, and all of a sudden it's just like, well, what was the point of that? And then you get a cross-seam pass where you have two MSU defenders, you know, in the way. And one goes out to challenge pressure on the passer. Then you got Krieger and another guy, I think that's Joshua, kind of in the middle there. And neither guy gets a stick on it. And so Michigan, you know, skill and, and uh, you know, uh, passing and all that stuff to break down the defense. But again, every play you can look at from both sides. Sure. So Michigan's skill is really threatening MSU's cycle defense, and they're not doing enough. They're letting themselves get carved right up. And... Just like that, it's it's three nothing, and you know, and, and Brian, I thought did make a good point on the show when he said that uh, you know MSU's in zone defense is a puck pressure heavy system, mm-hmm. and so they send guys out to the perimeter a lot, mm-hmm. and if they're not able to get uh, direct contact on the puck while they're out the perimeter, then they can get broken down just like that, and then you get odd man opportunities low in the zone and an opportunity to score as they do there. Well, it's probably good for them to do that against a lot of teams maybe a michigan or minnesota who have pretty mobile d and might be a little bad bit of a bad to matchup MSU's for that. credit they've done pretty well this year against notre dame against penn state against ohio state and then oof not so minnesota much. And, yeah. and michigan hasn't been too much better either especially if you adjust for different players that were not playing in those games so i do think there is some truth to the you know, the more talented teams having the ability to break down that system. I do like that system overall. I like it a lot more than what they've been doing the last 10 years. Yeah. Where they were just kind just of... packed the just a, slot. They're trying to bog you down in the neutral zone, and then in the zone they just fold up and all sit around the slot and... Block and shots. They're just a carcass, you know, just <laughs> laying there. <laughs> just absorbing bullets. <laughs> I mean, it's like a, like a like a dead bear laying in the net and just hoping that you just keep shooting it into the bear, and the bear's not moving or doing anything. <laughs> well, it's dead. <laughs> right. So it's not a zombie bear. Whereas at least now, you know, they place a lot of pressure on you in the defensive zone, and also they place a lot of pressure on you in the offensive zone. And they're very aggressive and tenacious on the forecheck. They throw the body around, and that really is a story of, uh, of what's been unfolding here. Michigan State gets a power play. Next, um, and probably had 
could have scored on it. There was an open net chance. There was a backside where that was pretty wide open, but they couldn't get a stick on the puck. And I mean, that that's something that happened a lot throughout this series, more so I think on Friday night, is that they were in good oppor- good positions. They did the right things, but couldn't corral a pass. Pucks jumped off sticks. You know, the, the sort of the hands on a lot of the players may not be... Uh, to the level that Michigan has, and and so that you just can't take advantage of those chances. I, I thought Michigan was open a little bit on their penalty kill, and Michigan State just couldn't couldn't punish them. Um, and then you have the weird play where Luke Hughes and Gavin Brindley both try to intercept a pass and push it down the ice, and if it's if just one of them is there, it's probably a breakaway, just because of not only the speed but the momentum going forward, and they both kind of take each other out and it ends up not being anything. But, um, and then, you know, we can talk about this after Michigan kills that penalty or gets a bit lucky to do, to do so. Um, they, Michigan state does score. There's a shot from sort of the point center area that Portillo can't get across and it's reviewed and it's called no goal. So Michigan actually does win a review um, that was a pretty obvious review. Yeah, I mean, the guy kind of clips his stick as he's trying to bring it back, and the net is just, well, what do you call it, yawning cage? I mean, I was sitting there, and I was sort of saying, I don't really know what the argument is here. I mean, I'm not an expert. For Michigan State? Yeah, I'm not okay. an expert on the NCAA goaltender interference rules or anything, but at least from an NHL perspective watching that, I was like, I don't even know what you would argue here. Like, there's... I mean, under NHL rules, you have contact. It's outside the crease. You know, inhibits the ability to get back. It's just over. Like, there's yeah. why are you even challenging that? I mean, yes. Um, and then the second period kind of starts a little bit slow. Uh, Hughes falls down his own slot, and you know that's a bit of a chance. Uh, Fantilli, Luca Fantilli, gets called for a hooking call, and. Portillo has um, some adventures catching the puck and inability to freeze it other times. And so Michigan State's able to hold the zone and get a couple chances, but can't really put it away. And so you're kind of just hanging on. Like the sharpness and the crispness of Michigan skating and passing and movement of the first period didn't really carry over too well into the second. And then they just kind of make a mistake where, you know, Luca takes his guy to the corner which is not a bad play, but sort of allows the pass to come through him. And LaPointe leaves a guy and starts fading to the to the corner, even though Luke is already there, leaving the trail shooter open, who just beats Portillo. And, you know, that's a tough one for Eric there. I, you, you hope to have a guy on a shooter from that close, I would suppose. Yeah, you have a blown assignment uh, from... The point there, I mean, obviously you want, you want Luca Fantilli to be able to cut off that pass, but even if he doesn't, you, you need the assignment. So uh, not a whole lot I felt that, that Eric Portillo could, uh, could do in that situation. And then the penalties start, and, you know, you, Brindley gets, like, hit and starts fighting back, and they end up giving two and two for each for roughing. Which I don't have a problem with that. I mean, their issue in this game really was the fact that they didn't do that more often. And right later on, yeah, and that uh, through this second period, they let a lot of uh, stuff reach the level, but then say, "Oh no, we're actually not going to put anyone in the box." And you know that because people, you know, complain about penalties and stuff, and they complain about how many penalties there are and disrupts the flow of the game. But when the two teams have decided this is going to be a feisty game, 
then you have to be alert. And the thing yeah. is that a lot of people, I think, today, you know, just weren't alive and weren't watching hockey back when this kind of thing was way more common. And, you know, you look back in, in you know, the days of hockey is wrestling, 70s and 80s, even into the early 90s, like you would just have nonstop penalties for the whole period because you had to do that or else it was going to be just Because teams just crazy, decided right? to turn like, it into a melee. I mean, you, if you want to prevent line brawls when two teams have kind of decided this is how it's going to be, then you just got to keep yanking guys off, yanking guys off, yanking guys off, yeah. yanking guys off to keep control of the game. And that was their biggest problem. And then Saturday, they did a much better job. Yeah. They just did penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty. And in theory, everyone hated that. But by that point, they understood they needed to do that yeah. or else this was going to be the same story as right. Friday night. So it's already four and four. Hallam gets called for a trip. So Michigan State's going to have a power play. And then pretty soon into it, Michigan State gets called for a trip. So we have three on three in the middle of the game, uh, not in overtime. And um, it was pretty open. (laughs) And skating, which you would think probably benefits Michigan to a degree. Not a whole lot happened during that time until Ethan Edwards... Uh, steps into a guy and rocks him uh, behind the Michigan State net, so in Michigan's offensive zone. And it looks pretty clean. It didn't seem very dirty at all, but the guy who got hit did not get up for a little while, and they review it, and Edwards is given five in a game. And um, I guess it's not surprising that that happened. I can't say that it looked like a major, but... uh, those just seem to happen a lot <laughs> for one reason or another. I mean, we debate this, you know, in the past and we'll probably will a little bit today is like, you know, Michigan's got to coach this out of them. And, you know, that's what half the comments in my breakdown were like arguing about, well, how are you supposed to do that? And can you teach people not play like that? And then what about the AHL and the NHL? And like, you know, can kids, can you learn to do that, do that here and then readjust and, you know, all those things. I don't know. I mean, I don't really have an answer. I just know that if you go for a big hit like that and you're wearing a maize or blue sweater, you're probably going to get dinged for a five-minute major and you're probably going to be out. So in 2018, I was on a Michigan football podcast in the fall. And (laughs) every week... Are you going somewhere with this? (laughs) And after that opening Notre Dame game, for the next like 10 weeks, every single week, we found a way to end up relitigating the Notre Dame game. And talking about why <laughs> Michigan lost that game. Okay. And this is, and I always was trying to steer it away from that. Like, no, we're not talking about that again. We, we've discussed many times why this happened. And I just feel like we're in the same place. I was listening to them go podcast last night. And again, it's just like five more minutes about why the five minute major rule is bad. And I'm not interested in doing that this week. Okay. I mean, we can talk about coaching. I think this is a more interesting discussion than the same thing that is popping up in the comments. And I was tying on the watch along like, oh, it's a terrible – yeah, we covered that many weeks ago. We all established it's bad. Yeah. That's it. Okay, now we need to talk but, about the reality. But we also know that it's probably going to happen. Yes. And and here's the thing. It, it isn't – you know, there was the hit on uh, – on Saturday that people were going wild about yep. um, late in that game. And I wonder if there was game management going on with that one. But um, otherwise, just watching this year, I'm at probably 75 to 80% efficiency at getting these right. Um, and certainly in these Michigan games, the last how many that they've called on Michigan, when they review them and we see the first look, I'm like, yeah, they're probably going to call it. Yeah. I mean, this isn't, 
I mean, to me, like... Did you think this was the one that, that... Do you think this one should have been called? I mean, we talked on the watch-along, and nobody seemed to think that it was a dirty hit. Well, okay, so here's the problem with the language used there. The word should is the central problem here. Well, all right. Because that, cause it's the, it's, that is our, our ticket to getting back to just <laughs> ring around the rosy as we talk about why the rule is bad. No, I don't think any of these should, but that's irrelevant. Okay. My opinions are irrelevant. What is wow. what is important here? Do I have to get a new assistant? <laughs> is under the rule, under the way we've seen it. Yes, when I saw that, I knew it was going to be a five minute major yeah. every day of the week. Yeah. It's a hard hit, and there is some contact at the head because and the guy's you, hurt. Because when you murder a guy, do you think if he gets up though, it's called probably? I mean, we just mm-hmm. see this. We yeah. we've seen. I watch enough of Big Ten hockey to know when this is going to get called. The one on Saturday, they they didn't call, and it's correct. They they should have done that. But again, I kind of think that with seven and a half minutes to go in a one-goal game, they didn't want to do it. That's my opinion. But I mean, that's clearly that's what happened. That's the only one I feel like this entire year that I was like, that has to be, and it wasn't. Right. That's Otherwise, all these other ones, it doesn't matter if you think it should be under your perfect rules of hockey. Under my perfect rules of hockey, none of these really are. That's true. But under what we see, how the league calls it, yes. Yes. And it happens with Edwards all the freaking time. And I'm tired it of this. True. I was tired of it against Penn State. It's you the Van Wy thing from last year. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Well, and especially do not hit a guy in the open ice like that. I'm sorry. If that's the way you played your whole life, you're just gonna have to learn that you're not gonna do that right now. And if you'd like to go back to doing that, then feel free to sign in the AHL after the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's just the end of the story. Well, and especially but, with Casey and Truscott being out, it's like now you're even more limited. People act like we're through the looking glass here and there's no way to know which one of these will be and which one won't and oh, there's just nothing we can do. It's just a totally random rule and Michigan somehow just gets hit with it all the time. Like, no, that's not how it works. There <laughs> most of these, yes, are conscious decisions. Sometimes you do get unlucky and that's why it's a bad rule. It's a bad rule because there will be plenty of times you do get it where you didn't mean to. But this sort of hit, I'm sorry, you can't have watched this season and last and go for that hit and not think that's what's going to happen. So part of the other issue, and this is kind of getting later, is like Luke Hughes gets hit in the head in the third period, and they don't even review it. Was that the elbowing one Brian was yelling no, about? that was a different one. Because I, I didn't understand that at there all. Was, there was an elbowing one where a guy gets two minutes for elbowing. This one was not a penalty. The two-minute for elbowing one, I thought Brian's argument was very, like, high school debate type thing. Well, this is not the one I'm talking about. The one I'm talking about is where the guy comes up. Well, so and they didn't – so that Michigan didn't challenge that, and that's – Okay, but, like, part of it is, like, if it's a hit to the head, you, it should I mean, be called. Re- I, think, I think if it is challenged that – the only question was that was also very late in the game, right? Well, and that's, so that that would be the question right, there. Which is, but there, it, the fact they did not challenge it. Maybe they need the Super Bowl refs. The way they, well, so that's. Don't get me started <laughs> on that. Don't make, get me started on that because I'm the one who always defends game management by referees, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, "Oh, the Super Bowl! Why was there no game management?" Yeah. So, but no, about that real quick. Okay. Why did they not challenge that? <sighs> They had their timeout. It was towards the end of the game. They're defending a one-goal lead. I mean, that was as obvious as it gets. I don't have a good reason. <sighs> I mean, they... Well, I mean, if you, you know, if so you here watch you... the stream back, I was signaling the timeout <laughs> thing for like 90 seconds. Did, did you have more timeouts than Peyton Manning did against the Bronco <laughs> or against the Seahawks? <laughs> just, You're just sitting there. I was there. doing it over and You're, over and over You like again. sprained your fingers <laughs> at one point. But so I think my point to that is like, well, they challenged the one on Saturday, which was even more obvious, and they still lost it. So, right, but it's a timeout. I know. 
I'm saying that it may not have even mattered. It might not have, and they and they might have game managed it, yeah. but you have no downside for a timeout. I agree. When you have, if if this is what the rule is going to be, then that's how you have to use them. All right. So Edwards is out. Michigan State has a five minute power play uh, for a little bit, and they take another tripping call, and it's four on four for a while, and then that's when the whole Fantilli thing happens, where he. So there's a couple of plays in the four on four that end up with um, some post whistle brouhaha's as uh, Fantilli and Joshua, Jagger Joshua, get together after Fantilli kind of knocks Joshua into Portillo and then gets mad that he hit his goalie and goes after him. And then, you know, Joshua starts some stuff after another whistle. And so there's like a couple of these things where you get two and three different sets of, I don't know, like stand-up wrestling matches between Michigan and Michigan State players. And nothing is really done. So it happens like one time and it happens again and then maybe even a third. And then, and so guys are like just getting tired of this and there's no punishment. There's no structure. So Fantilli, after a rush into the other end, loses it on a guy, cross checks him in the back after the play, which is dirty and you shouldn't do that. Someone retaliates on at him, throws a punch at him. He then returns the punch. To, I think that was both Niehaus, or him and Niehaus both punched each other. Kelly comes over and punches him. And it's just, it's more or less a brawl at this point. And they sort it all out. Fantilli gets five in a game and a DQ, which means he doesn't play Saturday. Same thing happens to Niehaus. Kelly somehow gets nothing. And, I mean, the refs have just completely lost control because they didn't institute control on the previous few stoppages. And, you know, on top of the Edwards thing. So now Michigan has two players out of the game. And it's just like the game has completely changed. I mean, like you said, sometimes there are periods where it's just special teams periods. Well, that was this one. But then it was also where, you know, a trap door appeared in the ice and like three players skated into it. And now the rest of that period is basically Michigan, I think, ends up getting a power play somehow out of this. But um or they do very soon afterwards. And but the last like twenty five plus minutes, they're about twenty eight minutes, whatever it is, are just Michigan trying to hang on. Well, I kinda thought that the one of the issues that I think the referees ran into in that second period was they used their whistles too much on nonsense. And what I yeah. mean by that like is like trips and such. Trips. Yeah. That you have to understand there's only so many penalties you can call in a game, and you can't use all your whistles too early when something's going to spiral out of control. And that's what I thought they did really well in the Saturday game, was that they generally, especially later in the game and that kind of thing, stayed away from a lot of ticky-tack whistles and made sure to use them all up on keeping the game in control. Yeah. And so I think that because they had called so many penalties earlier in the period, right? I mean, they'd done the roughings and the two trips in a row, and then there was another trip. They were just, the major like, and they were just like, oh, we yeah. don't want to call any more penalties. And then all of a sudden, they didn't... You have to. They didn't put some of those guys in the box. Yeah. And, and I, on the stream, was saying that over and over again. For the last, put them in the box. Yeah, for the put last, guys in the box. Yeah, you for said the last like, four minutes. I was. Someone's got to go to the box. I was all over it, and 
I could I could feel it. You can yeah. feel those kinds of games. So well, and and Nerado said after the game that Michigan State can't skate with them. That that they need to do this, and it's true. And and other teams have done that. So this has been a theme in Michigan games this year. I mean, you know, to some degree, I, I think that might be the case. But I, I I mean, I said this on the show. I think that it's quite possible that even when MSU is getting a little more talented players, that they still play this way. And well, they're Michigan State. Well, and Jagger Joshua in particular, who became one of the uh, main talking points, you know, that is the kind of player that uh, is great for these sorts of situations. And he's what we always say about Tom Wilson and Brad Marchand and Michael do, Bunting. Do we, def- do we defend Tom Wilson? What we say is he is a player that you absolutely love to have on your team and would hate to have on any, you know, play against you. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. And those kinds of players, they're what we call rats. They are guys <laughs> who stir things up. They push it to the to the limit, and, but and sometimes beyond. Do their best to stay within that. They draw penalties. They get other teams to lose their cool and to make mistakes. Yeah, and that's and MSU also is a team again that likes to throw the body on the forecheck, all that stuff. So they were testing Michigan, and we've seen Michigan as a team have some trouble, sort of containing themselves. And Fantilli just. He just went crazy he here. He snapped. And, yeah. and that, you know. But he was a guy that, remember, with the USHL, I mean, he was really hitting a lot in that league. He mm. was a very aggressive player in that league. He's reined it in, I think, very well to adjust to the way the NCAA wants to referee things. But that's still in him. Yeah. That that desire to go crazy like this is, is still in him. And again, it depends on the league. If this is NHL, I would love this. But the NCAA is a little different, yeah. and they're going to throw out disqualifications and stuff. I, I like when my stars get animated and, and show that heart and well, show sure. a little bit of fight. Uh, but, it's again... discouraged in the NCAA unless it's encouraged. <laughs> well, you just can't, especially with the injuries Michigan has had. Yeah. Also, by the way, it was unfolding in front of this, but what was up with that Truscott is a horse girl sign? <laughs> I didn't understand that one uh, at all. Yeah, I don't know. Especially because he wasn't even playing. Is that like a play on dressage? I, I don't <laughs> know. I can't, anyway. And I'm not really going to like break down Michigan State student signs. <laughs> Penn State does that, too. They have a bunch that they like tape up and put on the glass. Michigan uses like whiteboards, right? Like the children of Yost have yep, yep. two or three people with whiteboards. So the rest of, like I said, I mean, this whole game, the end of the second period and the third period are all a little bit the same. There's some alternating power plays and such, and um, Michigan State had some chances and couldn't really take advantage of some open nets and some failed clears by Michigan. Um, They do get one back at the beginning of the third on a power play uh, because Michigan has six guys on the ice again. And Partillo, this one, I I don't know, man. Like, he's kind of... Moves to the right side, gets stuck over there, leaves the left side open, I guess didn't see the pass across, and like kind of flails, dives, I don't know, falls, attempting to get back to cover the open net, but is late and the shot goes in, and that one's just, he just looked really awkward. It is a very mysterious play. Not sure exactly what's going on here. Um... I mean, like he he like kind of like way overcommits to one side, and then just totally loses his bearings in the crease, and he's yeah. just swimming around. Uh, you know, not great the way that Michigan allowed themselves to get, you know, carved up. Right? I mean, like look at that—they got four guys down right around the goal line, and they're getting passed right through. You know, carved up like a you know 
Christmas ham. And Christmas ham. It leaves Portillo in a tough spot, but he also is, is very disoriented on this play. So for most of the rest of the period, you're just like sitting there and there's, what, 14 minutes left or thereabouts. And, you know, it does not appear Michigan's probably going to score again. Like, maybe, but they weren't really controlling the game. They didn't really have the puck a lot. Michigan State, a little bit more uh, energy going forward, trying to get back and tie this up. And, um, you know, they're not able to. Uh, Michigan does a good job of holding them off. Portillo does make a few nice saves. And, um, you know, that's when sort of the punch to Luke Hughes' head comes, where he gets hit. And, you know, you said it's probably game management. Well, you know, it's too close. We can't We can't call a major there. Well, okay, I guess I have my own thoughts about how that's ridiculous but whatever it's going to happen i'm more or less just expecting it um but then finally st Cyr is pulled michigan state puts pushes all their chips in the middle and brindley is able to get an empty netter at the end to seal it five to four which is ensued by what else uh, fights yep another <laughs> another scrap <laughs> and uh it ends four two um michigan was the better team they earned it um you know they had in complete control for half the game until it turned into a street fight. And then they were able to escape with, uh, I guess a little less blood loss than, than Michigan state in what turned out to be not a very interesting second half of the game. MSU 57 penalty minutes. Yeah. Michigan 46. That is, I I don't even good old fashioned game. Um, 48, 57 and 48. Uh, yeah, I mean that was that was an interesting game. Michigan, the last little bit there was kind of holding on by their bare hands to the edge of the you know their plain wing and just <laughs> hoping to land, <laughs> hoping to to just hang on, and they they managed to get it to the finish line. So that's uh, really all you could ask for in that sort of game, and it was definitely one of those games where you felt like just get it over with, and then you know get into the locker room and and uh, kind of reevaluate and uh, reset and, and figure out what lessons can be learned from that sort of situation. Three points, and you don't have to go back to Munn until next year. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458 or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Saturday night's game takes place at Not the Joe, LCA, Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. 
this was a Michigan home game that alternates every year. Uh, no Adam Fantilli. Do you have any LCA takes? Do I have any LCA takes? I've been there once. Probably not then. I, well, no, twice. I, I sat in the press box. Wow. Like the Quinn Hughes year that he was good. The year they went to the national title. So 18. Uh, it's very the, <laughs> it's very high up um, in the press box anyway. Yep. And you're kind of like hanging out over the ice. Um, as far as sitting in the stands, like what, what do you mean by takes? Like... Did you, I like it? Yep. Do you like it? What's yeah? I mean, it's it's much better than the Joe in terms of like sight lines and like uh, maneuverability within the stadium and all of that. And um, they have different en- entrances for the different sections, so you don't get everybody like going in and out the same places and, and massive lines. And I mean, I, I generally like newer arenas. I mean, it's designed to actually make some sense in terms of watching things. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. I mean, I thought it's. Uh... When you go to other arenas and you kind of realize how direct of a reaction LCA was to the Joe and the problems with the Joe, the concourse at LCA is wider than any concourse <laughs> I've been to in any other stadium. <laughs> like I mean, tanks are driving I mean, down. I was, yeah, I was in Scotiabank recently and it's like, wow, this is like a normal size concourse. Like the yeah. Joe, I mean, that feels like it's like a, a gym <laughs> with a, you know, gigantic ceiling yeah. and these super wide concourses. Which is and it's, good, right? Yeah, I don't have any issue with it. It's just funny. It helps traffic flow. How much of a, of a reaction it really was yeah. to the problems that the Joe had. Yeah. I, I and don't... the fact they built it on flat ground instead of up 13 flights of stairs <laughs> at a, you know. That you have to go up <laughs> straight, when it's like. Straight up angle. When it's like icy and yeah. you're going to like wipe out going up or down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> No, that was, uh, it was, it's much. Those stairs, oh man. I mean, there's like nostalgia to places like that. Like that people. And the, the seats at the end were a little rickety. <laughs> and then the, you know, remember the stairs going down to the seats? The, that... the stripes yeah. were suddenly like diagonal because they've been scuffed over time. So it looked like if you just looked at it, it looked like it was like a. <laughs> you had vertigo fun house, as you're going. Yeah, funhouse <laughs> staircase. And there were no railings? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, if you, you go to those games and there would be drunk. People, you know, falling to do to do to do to do all the way circling, down, all the just way doing down. somersaults down the stairs. Yeah, the only great thing about the Joe, and this is, don't even get me started on this, but no. they, we didn't talk about this. They gave their horn to Yost now. Oh, you notice this year Yost has. Yeah, people, the Joe. people have been talking about that after five years that they told us that the reason the horn at Little Caesars is horrible and everyone hates it, it was is? that they couldn't replicate the Joe horn. And then apparently they just had it in a box sitting in the back and they donate it to Michigan Hockey? Everyone's like, we hate this little Caesars horn. They're like, sorry, nothing we can do about it. No way we could recreate the Joe horn. And then they're like, oh, we have the Joe horn. We gave it away. What? Do you know that like 10 or 12 years ago they put in a goal horn at, at Yost and they never used to have one? And you know what it used to be? What? The Victors. The band would just start playing the Victors. When I mean, you scored a goal, you don't need to. I mean, I think I like that. I think the, the thing is, the Joe goal horn was the best goal horn out there. I are mean, there was, different goal horns? Oh yeah, well, I like the. the, the do you like the, the siren one and from Canada? Well, the Caps have the siren one. Oh, they do. Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't like those very much. Do you have a? Oh no, I'm thinking the thing at the end of the period. I don't. I. I the Joe horn was just great. It was like it. It just really set the mood. I don't like those <laughs> like foghorn ones that are like. <laughs> Okay, and that's what and that's what the Little Caesars one is like. It's like a much lower, just this feels like a Brian take bland horn. Okay, so you prefer the Joe horn. All right. So do you enjoy it at Yost? 
Yeah. Like the nostalgia it's of it. It's still got it. It's still <laughs> it hasn't been worn out yet. <laughs> so do you wish they'd take it to Little Caesars? Yeah. Do you think it should just be moved around to whatever team in Southeast Michigan Yost is holding? Yost doesn't have enough home games. It needs to be used where it can be shown off more. They should break it out during Pistons games for every two-pointer? Well, the Pistons, they used to have the, the steam whistle, right? Yeah. I mean, that was like Oh, the, man. They don't use that anymore? I mean, they haven't had an exciting player introduction <laughs> in 13 years. So. <laughs> 14 now. Oh, that's fair. 15, I mean, oof. Oh, we're just going up. Anymore? Uh, 2008. I remember what year this is. <laughs> we need a calendar. All right, so I think they played a hockey game. They and by the way, no one saw the first five minutes of this game. Maybe you did. Well, I did because I anticipated it and I tweeted about it. Yeah, I went on the ESPN app. There was nowhere to be found. So, so I was like, you I go. Don't... So you go to um, you. You pick the ESPN three option and not the streaming from the channel option. Aren't you a tech guy? I I don't I'm not gonna work that hard to watch the duel in the D. <laughs> I'll just wait for it to be on the TV. Oh, and hope that Arkansas doesn't go to seven <laughs> overtimes. Uh, I was writing the basketball recap. Well, that's a different. You could have said that, and it, and I we would have had a little more credibility left. <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you're writing, don't make me search thirteen levels to find the stream for this game. You have to punch in the secret code. And then after the fifth time, it's a, it locks you out. So I think it was at like fourteen fifty when it started to appear. Is that on, what it was? The TV, something like that. Thankfully, well, nothing happened. You didn't miss anything. Yeah. Um, and part of that is Michigan was that I wrote in the breakdown was that Michigan was down two of their top four defensemen and two of their top six uh, forwards, and that sort of made the game even again. <laughs> That's what you have to take off of Michigan: Adam Vantilli, Rucker McGordy, Seamus Casey. Jacob Truscott to give MSU a chance. And, um, yeah, I'd say it was a pretty even game. You know, Michigan opens the scoring on the power play. TJ Hughes just kind of, you know, Sam shoots from one side, it goes into the massive bodies in front, kicks out to the other side. Hughes has the puck outside the dot and just fires through basically two Spartans and St. Cyr. Like, maybe he was screened, maybe he should have gotten a piece of it. It's... Not like a great shot. He just puts it on net and it goes in and Michigan has a one goal lead. I'm not sure you have a take, but I'm not sure what you can really elaborate on that. If you'd like to try. No, I don't have any. Take. Okay. Um, and then they give one up right away because see, this was like Luke Hughes had a couple flashbacks to his first half of the season where he had a couple of goofy turnovers, and this was the first one where he kind of turns the puck over against the boards, goes into it, and then Edwards comes back and has a chance to sort of save it. He steps up into it and misses everything, basically, um, and the players and the puck go right by him. It's not a, like a real shot shot, but it gets down low, bounces off of Portillo's pads, gets kicked to the other side, and uh, Muka's there to put it in the open net. And it's sort of like, you know, okay, Hughes can't turn that over. Uh, Edwards has to do something better than whatever he did. And then Portillo needs to find and freeze the puck or clear it out to the corner. He doesn't do that either. And so you kind of get this collaboration of, I don't know. I mean, that was a breakdown all the way around. Yeah. And so the puck just ends up in the net, and it's one-to-one after the first... um, the one thing that did happen in that first period is they did, like you said earlier, start handing out penalties, and you had each team had one or two, and they kind of kept the game under control. 
Uh, Michigan scoring on theirs. State did not score on theirs. Um, so then into the second, uh, it's, it looks like it's Michigan State's third power play. Mackey gets called for holding the stick. There were people that were debating this. I don't know. I don't know what the threshold is for that kind of stuff. It seems that, like, I don't know. If it's a tightly called game, then, yeah, it's a penalty. If it's not, you're probably letting something like that go. It's called in this particular case. Portillo makes a couple knife saves. Um, and then there's a, just a shot from kind of straight away uh, by Davidson that just kind of picks an open part of the net. I think Portillo looked like he was screened. It's kind of you, That's why you put guys in front, and the shot goes around it, hits the net. Kind of similar to the Hughes, uh, TJ Hughes goal from earlier. So you both sort of have a goal that yeah. goes in. No one's really at fault. It just kind of yeah, happens. Through traffic. And it's kind of a bummer because you're like, ah, oh, man, I, you know, you don't know Fantilli. They don't have, like, their high-powered horses really going so far. Um, but then, as I'm really taking that note, Luca takes a shot from the point. And Duke is in front and redirects it. He's left alone and just kind of gets a stick on it, and it goes through St. Cyr, and it's 2-2 before you really have any idea what's happening. Yeah, this was a kind of goofy one. I mean, it's the puck is thrown at the net at a very low, slow velocity. I mean, it's just like a looper. And you're like, oh. A looper? Yeah, like, oh, there it is. <laughs> All and, right. And he just tips it, and, and it goes in. And, I mean, that was right after that goal. So it was sort of like, oh, scoring. Yeah. And not too long after that, one of the Kriegers is trying to leave the zone um, and is somehow unable to avoid the ref who's standing along the the boards uh, and just kind of, he has to get it caught in his skate because I'm not really, or he just drops the puck, one of the two things, but he kind of continues on and then stops realizing that he doesn't have the puck anymore. Nazar goes right by him, picks the puck up and is in sort of on a three on one. And the other defender tries to take away one or two of the passes, and Nazar just walks in, kind of hesitates a little bit, changes the angle, and lifts it high over St. Cyr and gives Michigan a 3-2 lead for uh, Frank Nazar's first goal of his collegiate career as a Michigan Wolverine. Yeah, I was really happy he shot this. I mean, he's skating, and I'm just screaming, just shoot it, shoot it. Well, when you can walk to the crease, you shouldn't pass it, (laughs) right? I mean, mean, I'm always a believer in shooting on -on two-on-ones. Three on ones doesn't matter. I I think if you respect your opponent, you have to assume they'll be able to take a pass away. And I'll always yeah. prefer a shot in tight over a pass that gets blocked. No, you don't want to like a crazy pass. I mean, if the guy takes you away, then yeah, you dish it. But if you have an open look, beat the goalie. Yeah, and I mean, obviously St. Cyr is not very big. He, he comes out pretty far, but he's also a little over in the middle of the crease, on top of the crease. But... Um, you know, hedging ever so slightly for the pass. You have a little move by Nazer to just show the puck to the middle and uh, suggest a pass ever so slightly before he yanks it back across, and, and then he's got plenty of room to, to beat St. Cyr. And, uh, you know, that's a, a little window into what he could uh, potentially be. Michigan gets a power play kind of close to the end of the second period. Don't do a whole lot on it. They actually turn it over in their own zone, and Portillo has to uh, come out and and force a shot that's a a bit high. Um, Not the greatest power play. The thing is, is like, you know, I'm not expecting a ton from that particular power play as like four of their top ten power play guys are out. I mean, they do score on that huge shot, the TJ Hughes shot, but this isn't going to be your vintage Michigan power play. Um, and then they get another too many men call because it's another day of the week. And Luke Hughes jumps off the bench, but the guy who is 
going onto the bench, doesn't quite get on before Hughes decides to play the puck. And that's six guys. And Michigan State gets their power play. Um, and then Edwards takes a slash, so it's a five-on-three. But in the middle of all of this, Jagger Joshua skates through the crease, kind of bumps Portillo, and must he must have said something to the referee because and doesn't really argue because he goes right down the tunnel and is given a... Uh, 10 minute misconduct for so, abusive officials. Brian was claiming that was abusive officials, right? That's what he said. So, Kawachaki News just has it as misconduct. And the previous night, Gucci already got an abusive officials 10 minute. So, it's very clear. So, like, Kawachaki News has the ability to write that down. Okay. They did not write it down for Jagger Joshua. So, do you think this was like. So I don't know if that. I mean, it's not that it's not true. It's just that's not. We don't have official evidence that that. I mean, what is the Mich- does the Michigan box score say? I don't know. He up. said that Brian said that he heard that it was partially mic'd up. Because when I saw that. that play, I assumed the referees just had had enough and was like, "Don't, don't mess with us. If you're going to skate through the crease of the opposing goalie yep. and bump him, you're out of here. We I, don't have, we don't have time for that." Yeah, I just assumed that they had. That's what my thought was too. Yeah, the Michigan box score just lists ten minute misconduct. So maybe so. that's what it was. Um, I don't know. That doesn't change the number of players on the ice because nope. that's just a self-penalty, not a team penalty. So Michigan still has to kill off the five-on-three, and they're pretty much able to relatively easily. Um, and then kill off the rest of it, and that's a big kill from them. Their their power play, I'm sorry, their penalty kill has been better as of late, and um, it really got them through some struggles on the weekend. Yeah, came up big in a few moments there at the end of that period and then really in the overtime. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it did go to overtime, and we can talk about that in a second. Um, in the third period, though, at the end of this power play, Eric Portillo makes maybe the save of the year as a shot comes off of the backboards, kicks out in front, those lively boards, and it, and it's put on net. Portillo is sort of in the middle of his crease and sees the puck coming off and getting over there, throws his leg out. I think it's in the air. I don't think this was along the ice. And he makes a big save. Uh, that was one of the better saves I've ever seen him make. That wasn't like a glove snatcher or something. Well, he had a good one on the Friday game, too, on that uh, man rush. Oh, getting across can, I mean, look, too. he is big, he's long, he's athletic, he can move. Like Sometimes. When he's <laughs> when he's totally dialed in, uh, there are no saves that he can't make. And, yeah. and he has the potential to make those just really like, wow, type saves. Yeah. Um, and he makes another one not too long after that as a guy walks down the slot and has a great look, and Portillo shuts that down, too. Um, and then Michigan has their chance to kind of put the game away as they get a power play. Gutierrez called for a trip, and this was probably one of their better power plays of the weekend where they keep the zone pretty much the whole time, move it, get a bunch of different chances. Mackey gets a shot that trickles through St. Cyr and just goes like, I mean, like it kind of, the angle sort of changes. You can see it as it slips through St. Cyr and is rolling. You're like, that might be inside the post. And then it just like slides and fades in its trajectory just outside by about two inches. They're just that close to going up by two goals. Um, But then Brindley has a really good chance too. And so this is, you know, just where they have another chance to kind of finish the game and cannot. And that's when... The hit happens that we talk about in the Michigan end off of a faceoff is Mackey's skating towards the boards with a state player. He comes up underneath him, shoulders him right in the chin, 
clear hit to the head. He Mackey goes down. Eventually, the puck comes to him, and they have to blow the whistle because he can't get up right away. He goes over and explains to the referee. Nerado challenges, which is what we asked him to do Friday. He didn't do it. Did it on Saturday. And, I mean, I don't usually have really strong takes on these. I never really know where the line is. I let leave that to other people who have watched more hockey and have played and understand, like, the nuances of hitting and all of that. But this one you look at and you're like, okay, I've seen enough, not only Michigan games this year, but Big Ten games and hockey games. I can tell you that this is a hit to the head. This is as clear definitively as they come. And it is called no major. <laughs> yeah, they, Not even a penalty. The only the only thing here is is game management, right? Like that's the only explanation because otherwise it was absolutely. I I just really hope that that was what the guy said when he skated over to Nerado to talk to him and said, "Look, this is a major, but nine minutes to go, you're up by a goal. We got fourteen viewers on TV and we want to keep them, so we're not calling it." <laughs> and just watch his head shoot through the rafters, as that is explained, because there's no other. I, <laughs> I don't even don't even need to get into it. It just was unbelievable. So, and then a shot comes through traffic, and this is sort of on Portillo. Um, so State takes a shot from the blue line. It it goes through a couple of guys for sure. It might even take a bit of a misdirect, but I don't think Portillo sees it because he doesn't go down into the butterfly. He's not even really aware that the puck is being no, shot. No, he's not tracking it at all. And he's looking at the, the other side of the ice yeah. right before the shot is taken, and then he looks over, and by the point he's looking over, it's like in. And it just goes through his legs. Yep. And it's tied, and you're just... I mean, you know, Michigan got to the finish line on Friday. They didn't on Saturday. I don't real. I mean, okay, there's the power play that should have been called the major that probably changes the game because there's a decent chance Michigan scores on it. If they have five minutes of power play, they kill off half of that, the remaining nine or eight minutes or whatever it is, and State has to be in their own zone using all their energy to kill the long power play, and so they can't be attacking as much. Um, so there's that element to it, but... At just another situation where Michigan can't get to the finish line. We've seen that a number of times this year. And this one, this one's probably on Portillo in that, on that particular shot. But, uh, yikes, man. That was, <laughs> that was subpar. Not ideal. No. So, they split the points, and they're going to play for the third. Which is uh, still a big point. Yes. Because getting five, getting five in this situation, but it's, a, it's, it's a not two, six, but it's, it's basically. It's two, it's a two-point swing. Yeah. Right? Either you're getting it and they're not, or they're getting it and you're not. Yeah, I mean, so I don't... there was either going to be a five-point gap between the teams or there was going to be a uh, three-point gap, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that getting to, over... point, right? getting to overtime, Michigan is going to probably finish ahead of Michigan State in the standings. It's not really that big of a debate um, because of the way that the schedule breaks down. But it's a big deal for the Ohio State series coming up because they're going to need as many points as they can to try to stay ahead of Ohio State. So there is a lot to play for. Nazer had a decent chance to start. And then Dylan Duke uh, (laughs) in three-on-three kind of goes backwards and just loses the puck and takes a penalty. Not good all around. Um, Pretty bad. Um, But... The best part is is that Michigan has to kill off two minutes of four on three, and I think State got one shot on net. So I they th- had two attempts and one, only only one hit the net, or you know, 
Portillo had to save? So I think this was a uh, an unintentional trip. Watching it on, on the replay. For Duke? Yep. Well, okay. That his stick just gets caught in the skate. Because when he and the play happens, I said, I want to see if this is intentional or not. Yeah. Because if it's intentional, I, I don't like that. I would much rather, in overtime, just have him let the guy skate in and take a shot and let Portillo have Make a the shot save. versus a two-minute four-on-three. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think it was an unintentional trip. They kind of got tangled up, and the stick looked like it just kind of got caught up in there. Well, he's probably panicking because he turned the puck over and is trying to get back, and yeah. Because to me, when you get two-minute four-on-three, it's like, oh, boy, we're going to need a Herculean power play to get through this. Yeah. And they got it. They did. Which is cool. Yep. And then... You know, you're running out of time. They get a couple chances at the other end at St. Cyr in four on four because it's not yeah, cause three on three yet. And they yep, Duke comes out of they, the box. They make it a point to say, as soon as there's a whistle, we'll go back to three on three. And they, they don't because there's no whistle. And Karen throws the puck at the net. It's wide, comes off the end boards, and Luke Hughes has the presence of mind to just put it on net. He does. It goes above St. Cyr. And we get a hockey buzzer beater with .6 to go. And the refs went to review it, tried to take it away, but they could not. So I, I think that you know this was one of the most exciting plays that we've seen in a while. Um, well, probably this year, definitely. But a buzzer beating walk off is tough. I mean, those yeah, don't really I mean, this, happen in, in yeah, this was like hockey. You know, th- th- this is about as fun as it gets. Um, yeah, shot wide, and he's just right there. Put, and it's put it in, and he, you know, you could see watching it live that it that it had beat the buzzer, that the, the yeah. backside, you know, and then they look at it, and it's point six or whatever. So, well, and you know, this is. And did you enjoy the broadcaster completely forgetting the rules of overtime? Um, maybe I missed it. Well, he was like, they got to put point six back on this game isn't over. We got to play out the last point six. Oh, that's right. And I'm like, what? No, the game ended. No, the game's over. <laughs> it's Someone a golden goal. It. That's the rule of overtime. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Richland, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Sean Richland played at Michigan, I think. Because <laughs> he was the guy that was just saying this is this is clearly a major on the hit on Samuskevich, yep. and then he was absolutely baffled when <laughs> it wasn't called, but. So we, we get the hockey buzzer beater, and Michigan gets the five points that um, put them in pretty good position. We'll go through the standings in a second after we do the Big Ten games. First, we'll take a look around at how all of our old friends did or didn't do. Uh, Lindenwood finally plays. Can we get some claps for them? They beat Stonehill. Stonehill pl- is playing again. Five that's, to two that's and the real story ten line. to three. So 15 goals on the weekend for Lindenwood against Stonehill. I don't have any other notes about that. Stonehill is is uh, not very good. BU uh, plays in against BC, actually probably close to right now. I think they're supposed to drop the puck about 4.30 on Monday in the consolation game, which everyone is kind of surprised at because they have never played in a consolation game before. That's crazy. It is crazy. Lake State did not lose. They also did not win because they did not play. Better West, than most weeks. Western Michigan also didn't play. <laughs> I was going through yesterday trying to get all the scores, and I was like, wow, there aren't any. And then Harvard beat Dartmouth after having it a bit of a close start. I think it was what, 1-1 one one early because we were do- discussing this on Friday. And then they don't. It was 2-2. Two, two. It was 2-2, two, two, okay. It was 3, uh, no, it was 4-3. Okay. And they, and they put it away. And they will play tonight against... Northeastern in the Beadpot Championship for the first time ever. So not a lot of uh, 
Michigan non-conference scores to go through. In conference, a little bit different. Ohio State and Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame, they Notre Damed Ohio State in South Bend 2-1 to one on Friday as they, what, dominate basically, uh, or Ohio State dominates shots and, and chances, but oh, Notre Dame gets the goals and wins the game because they do that once every weekend, it feels like. So the the Friday game was a little more sort of uh, classic Notre Dame. Yes. The Saturday game, people just look at this and they're like, oh, Notre Dame won, two to one. They got outshot, classic Notre Dame. Yeah. That's not what this team is. Like, look at that Saturday box well, score. They are not classic Notre Dame. So, classic Notre Dame was not getting outshot 88-39. Like, that's Michigan State from last year. Okay, so... <laughs> That's so not classic, that's, that's okay. not we're bogging you down and letting you play with the puck and we're and we're you know tightly checking you. But that's we're getting caved in and hanging on for dear life. But if you've watched Notre Dame in the last ten or fifteen years, that's what you're referencing. You're not referencing what they are this year. You're referencing the Friday night game was this is if you've ever watched a Notre Dame game in your life, that was closer to normal Notre right, Dame. Right. But like Friday, what Saturday I'm was out about Notre Dame is like they're not very good. No. And like that Saturday result. <laughs> <laughs> that's not classic Notre Dame. So Ohio State goes up 2-0 on a even-strength yep. and power play goal. Notre Dame ties it on an even-strength and power play goal. And then they go to a shootout. And do you want to guess how many skaters were in the shootout, Alex? So I was looking at that as it was like happening. But yeah. I always feel like shootouts just like scramble the live stats. Like it doesn't matter. ESPN, CBS, College Hockey News. I always feel like the shootout just it like breaks the breaks software the system. <laughs> then they, they like whether they're if you like half the time whether there are 70 shooters or not they list like 70 shooters okay and i'm just like are those all shooting <laughs> what order did they go in at the same time yeah it's like it, you look at it and there's no semblance of what order or who was shooting or whether it was successful so i saw like 15 names listed i'm like is this real or are they, <laughs> are they, is this a hoax is this again? a ruse <laughs> do you know how many there were actually were uh no nine yeah so they go three, and then I think Notre Dame had a couple chances to win, one on their last shot, and then one on a chance to save. And they don't score, and Ohio State scores. So they get to the fourth one, and I'm sitting there watching it because it's you know during the end of the, the Michigan game or during parts of it, and um, they just keep going. <laughs> Nobody can do outdo the other team. They go to nine skaters where Notre Dame wins, which we were rooting for because that's a five-point weekend for Notre Dame. They kind of get back into uh, the race a little bit. They don't have enough games left, so they're probably going to fall a little bit shorter than a couple other teams. But it's helpful for Michigan because Michigan gains four points on Ohio State. And, you know, now they go into a Thursday-Saturday series where if they get if they win one of those two games, even if they just win one in overtime, they're probably going to finish ahead of Ohio State. They'll finish ahead of Notre Dame and Michigan State. So they're basically going to need Penn State to almost win out in order to f- finish behind them. So and, and Penn State has Minnesota this weekend in Hockey Valley, though. So we're on clinch watch this weekend. For uh, Minnesota? Well, that, but also Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, magic numbers. Ohio State, 8. Penn State, 7. Notre Dame, 3. MSU, 2. So a win takes care of two of those. Yep. 
actually a win. So magic number, those are number of points, and it's, as magic numbers always are, either you getting them or your opponent losing them. Correct. So playing Ohio State means that a win does both. Win gives you six. Six, right. Yeah. So two wins against Ohio State, they're gone. MSU, Notre Dame, one win, they're gone. So those are all out of the way. The only help Michigan needs is one point dropped against Penn State or for by Penn State against Minnesota, paired with two Michigan wins, and it's all done this weekend. Although there is the point one percent chance that if Michigan wins out and Minnesota loses out, Michigan still <laughs> is eligible to win the conference, and Minnesota goes to Penn State this weekend, where and they have traditionally troubled, State. and then they host yeah. Ohio State, That's who's going to be playing for maybe certain seedings or, yeah, you know, tournament stuff. It's not happening. You're like the opposite of Craig. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I guess we can talk about Wisconsin-Minnesota. We don't need to talk about that. Well, there's one thing interesting that happened. That, Wisconsin won. Well, they won on Saturday. On Friday, in the first period, they outshot Minnesota 21-3 to and were losing. Now, how many periods of hockey have you ever seen where a team is out shooting someone by 18 shots or 21 to 3, where its team only gets three shots and they're still losing at the end of the period? I I don't know about shot count, but every every like couple months there's one that pops up where someone shares the like money puck chart and it's like 1.7 expected goals to 0.05 and then the team with the 0.05 is up one nothing That's at the two end of the goals. Period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they did split. So, you know, it was funny because on the broadcast, uh, they were talking about that game and the the second game of the Minnesota against Wisconsin series. And they're talking about, you know, that's a rivalry where you throw out the records. And I was just like, or hockey is really random and it's really tough to win every single game or lose every single game. So, unless you're Stonehill. Wisconsin has played one, two, three, four. Uh, four Big Ten home series to this point. Uh, they have two did left. I, did I miss one? One, two, Minnesota, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Penn State. Five. Okay. And they've gotten one win in four of those five. <laughs> they they went one and one against Minnesota, one and one against Ohio State, one and one against Michigan, uh, one and one against Notre Dame, and zero oh and two against Penn State. So they've been good at home. Well, they relative have, they, to their baseline, they haven't been bad at home. Would you like to read their? Uh, away numbers, zero and two, zero and two, zero and two, zero and two, zero and two. <laughs> so they haven't won a road Big Ten game nope. yet. They have won uh, two total road games this season at Duluth. At Duluth, both times. <laughs> uh, bad. Yep. All right, so let's get to the Ohio State preview a little bit. Uh, uh, we just let's saw do a, a, just a quick interlude. Uh oh, an interlude. To uh, the pairwise. You're going rogue. Because Michigan's up to number three. We just want to okay. get that on the record. All right. Um, they have, according to the people that play around with pairwise. Uh, How many people are those? Uh, One people? Several. Several people. Uh, they have basically clinched a Big Ten tournament, or Big Ten, uh, NCAA tournament berth. Well, They could yeah. lose out and lose out to Wisconsin and still be above they the cut. go 0-6? Cu- yep. Still be yeah. above the cut line. Probably makes sense. So that was one uh, byproduct of the weekend. Mm-hmm. They moved a little bit ahead of BU. There was uh, some people playing around with the pairwise today, and you know, most likely, if they're three and one or four and zero to finish the regular season, they would still be third going into 
the Big, the Ten, Big tournament. Ten tournament. It's just a lot of ground to make up on uh, on Quinnipiac right now, so that looks a little out of reach. But you would need Quinnipiac probably to, to take yeah, a dive to, to face Plant. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a competitive battle with Boston U. Denver's hanging around there as well. So if you go two and two, you're probably more like fifth entering the Big Ten tournament, and you're looking to bank a couple wins to move back up and hope a little help. Um, and uh, and then obviously you could be in seventh or ninth if you're really bad the rest of the way. Um, but otherwise, that's kind of what the picture's looking like. It also feels like they're pretty much locked into Allentown. Uh, the only way they wouldn't be is if like Denver got the fourth one and then Penn State Saints got the two in Allentown. Yeah. But other than that, that's it, a feasible scenario. It feels like I mean, if they, fa- I mean, it's all about contingent on how they finish out the season, right? Yeah. I mean, well, and you know how far they go in the Big Ten tournament, and I mean, let's say uh, for example, BU face plants, but Denver moves up, and then uh, Michigan, QPAC, Denver, Mich- or sorry, Minnesota, Quinnipiac, Denver, Michigan are the. I ones still think are. they'd probably put Michigan in Allentown because Denver's flying wherever anyway. Maybe. I mean, Michigan probably flies to Allentown because it's not close, but. They generally try to do that, or have in the past. All right. Um, the the last thing, quick check-in on where the Big Ten teams are. Okay. Uh, Minnesota, obviously, still one. Penn State, six. Ohio State, nine. MSU, down to 14. MSU. So that uh, they're right there. They're actually lower than uh, Northeastern and RPI, but the pairwise uh, swapped those two by the comparison. Hmm. So that's all right there. Notre Dame at 16. So if you're MSU, you're just hoping to sweep Wisconsin and then pick up and then you need some a, wins you probably the big need a big, yeah yep. and notre dame similar story uh they're going to be looking at uh you know doing damage at yost in in a couple weeks to get themselves off to the cut line so some interesting storylines to follow there unfortunately alaska lost a game to liu what yep how and they did oh my if they went out they still have a shot but it's looking it's getting like it's dicey be a little bit short yeah well maybe they can win their not conference tournament. <laughs> okay, can we start the Ohio State preview? Uh, Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, l- let me just say real quick the uh, the projected bracket I sent you. <laughs> okay. Well, we're getting close to the to the tournament. All right. So right now it would be uh, Minnesota RIT, uh, Western Ohio State in Fargo most likely. Uh, Bridgeport would be Quinnipiac, Michigan State, St. Cloud, Cornell. Uh, Allentown would be Michigan, Northeastern, Penn State, Harvard, and Manchester would be BU, Minnesota State, Denver, Michigan Tech. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, you get Devon Levi in the first round. I mean, Northeastern's probably not great, but you have a goalie that just can take you there. And then you get Harvard and Penn State. That's an interesting game because one team is going to have like the drafted skaters and the goalie and the other team has the style of play and the depth and not as good a goalie and i'd have no worry about playing if you get penn state and harvard as your two three i have no issue with that at all yeah is there a two that you don't like maybe denver denver i don't really like uh i mean otherwise i don't know st cloud we'd have to do some digging i'm selling all my nchc stock (laughs) so have you held on to it for the last, like, 12 years? <laughs> <laughs> Penn State, we know what they are. Harvard, we've seen them in the three line. Um, I would feel very comfortable with that 2-3. I think among the four line, I'd rather see Minnesota State or Omaha, probably. 
than or Yukon, the than northeastern, just because of Levi. Probably. Yeah, I'm not really going to argue that. All right, I'm just going right ahead. So you're going to have to interrupt <laughs> me, and I'm going to keep going. Um, Ohio State preview: They are 17, 11, and two overall. 10, 9, 0, and 1 in the Big Ten. Not too bad. Ninth in pairwise. Yeah, we talked about that. Fourth in Corsi. Well, you know, we've seen that a little bit. 21% on the power play, which is, you know, average to above average. And then 89% on the penalty kill. I always have a good penalty kill. That's, uh, yeah. Four drafted skaters, uh, who they're headlined by Lowry and Halliday. I think Lowry was a second round pick, Halliday third or fourth. That's how they drafted? Yeah, fourth round. Yeah. Uh, they... But they don't. They only have three skaters that are that are scoring over 0.75 points per game. No one that's scoring a ton. Like they're above that cut. But you don't really have a ton of star power. Again, it's more done in in waves. And then the goaltending is pretty solid. 2.22 GAA and 9.19 save percentage for Dobish. Yeah, he's pretty solid. And uh, 9.2 shooting percentage as a team. Uh, they're they're a solid squad. We we saw them the first time. They really caught Michigan flat-footed in the first game. Michigan then uh, raised themselves up in the second game. I expect Ohio State's going to go really hard in terms of throwing pucks on net, placing a lot of pressure, and and trying to deny those uh, you know zone uh controlled zone exits stuff like that we saw from the first series. So it'll be interesting to see Michigan's adjustments, but obviously they'll be. Uh, much fresher as opposed to that last time where there was really just an imbalance in how recently the teams had played at all. So, um, and then the second game being outdoors, I mean, those are fake games anyway. So <laughs> you're calling a lot of stuff fake lately. I mean, it's, it counts, I know what you but mean. It's goofy. I, right? I, I, I mean, know what like you mean. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be weird. I think it's, it's going to be above freezing. So whatever that does to outdoor ice, it's not going to be really cold. I mean, they have the technology to keep it reasonably cold. Yeah, well, they have the technology to do that at their home rink, too, and don't always do it. So we'll see I mean, what that's like. Unless it's the Lake Tahoe temperature. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Sludge. 85 degrees. Yeah. Uh, it should be cold enough. But, like, again, it's just like – and the crowd's totally taken out of it because they're, you know, <laughs> 700 yards away. Are the drain looking at are the drains going? Looking at the the players through binoculars. Um, the drains making a family trip. No, I've been to two outdoor games. That's enough. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, if you're gonna, you're going to be in the press box, right? That's are you that's, bringing the that's the, the plan? Supersized XL binoculars <laughs> so you can see. Any I'm just going to watch on the jumbo. I mean, we were six rows from the scoreboard at the Winter Classic at the Big House in yeah. 2014. Did, I didn't see any of the. Did game. you have a telescope? No, I mean they're, they're ants. Ants. And it was snowing, so you're squinting through the snow to see. I don't think it's supposed to snow. Teeny little players down there. I'm more going for the behind-the-scenes experience of getting to go into the press box at a NFL stadium, walking down. Maybe, hopefully, they'll let you on the field, maybe even on the ice or something, and you can take a picture and just kind of see it up from that perspective. That seems a little more interesting. I'm definitely not going because I feel like I can see the game better from the press box. You probably see it worse from the I press box. Probably will. That's why I'll be texting you, being like, "What just happened? What just happened? What just happened?" Do you remember the outdoor game against Notre Dame and that when they wore their stormtrooper uniforms? That like three-quarter ice goal. Yeah. <laughs> Nolan Moyle scored, I think, in that one. Uh, did Mike Pasta score? I think he was the one that scored that goal, right? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was, it was a three very, nothing, wasn't that it? It was a very weird game. That was uh, was that the? 
I think that was the um, Frozen Four year. No. No. It was the year after? Yep. Okay. Well, um, so this weekend is not a weekend. It is a Thursday-Saturday because Columbus to Cleveland, I'm guessing, day of travel for two and a half hours or whatever it is. So Thursday night, 7 p.m., BTN Plus in Columbus, and then I believe it's a 4 p.m. puck drop. Well, that that is a on Saturday. That is a loaded uh, loaded day. We got a uh, softball, I think, in the early afternoon on ESPN Plus. Oh, and then we got hockey, and then we have the Michigan basketball game. That all of a sudden doesn't quite mean as much. I mean, it, it means something for uh, state and for Wolverine pride. Yeah, I mean, you need to win that game. You do. I'm. Not. Oh, here it is. I just pulled it up. I'm trying to see who that was. It was like a shot from just inside Michigan's blue line. Yeah. Just like flipped down. And it's the like ice. up in the in the sky and then in the sun. And, and it like bounces like right. Because it was Kale Morris, right? Yeah. Like that's what it takes to. That was the. I thought that was the year it took to beat Kale Morris was you had to throw like. No, it was the a next mortar. year. Lockwood scored a goal just like golfing it. Yeah. Through the slot. Yeah. That, what a weird game. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So Thursday, Saturday. Um. I think if Michigan gets two points, that's probably good enough as long as they don't face plan against Notre Dame. Uh, but a win and it's all but over a if sweep. If Minnesota and it's gets done. you one win against Penn State and you and you split with Ohio State, then you're in a very nice position. Well, hopefully, we get that and and maybe more. listening to Michigan Hockey Cast 5.16 for Alex Drain and David Nasternak come back next week where there will be an in-depth review of First Energy Stadium.